Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. I'm Peter in the off in Wade's office uh, this evening with uh, Wade and two of my daughters. They haven't been here for a while. Oliva. Hello. And Allison. Hi. And we're pleased to have as a guest today a chemistry Was I professor. Supposed to say hi. No. Hi. Wait, I'm. You're not supposed to talk right now, okay? We're uh, pleased to have as our guest a uh, chemistry professor from Wisconsin Lutheran College, Joel Davis, Dr. Davis. Could you say hi and give us a little introduction about yourself? Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, teach chemistry here at the college. I've uh, been here for six years. Just got just got promoted to associate. Congratulations! That's awesome. So um, we're going to have you on the episode. The um, If you've seen the episode title, you're probably already wondering what is a chemistry professor on here for to talk about science fiction. But we're actually not talking about your field. We're just talking about an interest that you have and that I share, although you're probably more into it than I am. So I'm hoping to be able to uh, you know play off of each other quite a bit in the conversation. One of the reasons I brought Oliva and Allie along as well is because they have recently finished all of the Star Wars that are currently out there. And so they're really into that. And so we can let them talk a little bit about Star Wars and... Make sure Except that people like make you people. That one. Well, I know the one, the ones in the in the three trilogies though. Um, except for the people like Ben, who will avoid the episode like the plague, and he's not here for a reason. Wait, so they read these or they watched them? Watched them. Did uh, I should have watched some? I don't know if I've ever seen a whole Star Wars movie. This is depressing. So I should have watched one too. We'll uh, we'll be okay, Joel. We'll we'll make it that's, through this. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I can recommend other things if you want to watch something other than Star well, that's, Wars. I, I, I am going to watch stuff afterwards. I'm looking oh, forward okay. to. Oh, uh, okay. No, that's good. Yeah, learn. we'll try to. And it's, I don't think we're going to just talk about. I Star had Star Wars, Wars toys as a Actually, kid and lightsabers and stuff, but I just don't know that I ever saw the whole movie. <laughs> I remember once I went to see like Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back or something, but I had like a bunch of soda and popcorn and I got sick, so I didn't get to see the whole thing. <laughs> so you had to leave. Yeah, so I, I don't know who won. <laughs> I don't know, the the Empire or the Jedi? All right, um, let's get on to the free-for-all. Oliva, you have a disclaimer for us. We probably are too late with this already. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And we're back with the free-for-all, where we wrestle with life's pressing questions and try to answer them once and for all. The question for today is uh, um, definitely a pressing one. What, if you had the opportunity to have one superpower, what would it be? Now, everyone's really chomping at the bit to get on the mic and talk about this, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hold the mic for a moment and take it first. So my superpower, and I've thought about this a fair Peter, amount. Does this have to be a superpower that we would use for good? No, you could, you could be a, a super uh, villain as well if you wanted to out of it, so... So we can choose our superpower according to the new man or the old man. I, I would right. I'd, I'd rephrase okay. it. I would say you could use it for good or for awesome. <laughs> but evil too? <laughs> no, evil's fine. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm definitely, I mean, if you don't, there's no reason to have a superpower if there isn't a supervillain. So no, superheroes need supervillains. That's, that's how I see it. So mine is going to be, without question, the ability to fly. 
And everyone says, come on, why not like do the Ring of Gaijis thing, be invisible, things like that. I've always wanted to fly, and I'm a little bit fat, and that's not ever going to happen. I would love to fly a plane, helicopter, just like the ability to be off the ground I think would be amazing. So I wouldn't do anything super with it. I would just fly around, and you know, it's a very selfish desire. I would not be like Superman spinning and making the world reverse time or whatever he does. I would just fly around and enjoy the solitude not having five children bugging me because none of them would receive the superpower. That would be a contingency of my superpower being able to fly. None of my kids can fly as well. I just fly away from them. All right. Would you have a cape? So, I, I could go with a cape. I think, I mean, like, when you're flying, you know, now if you... Are you familiar with uh, The Incredibles? Oh, yeah. So, That's like, what the I was asking. Is, yeah. yeah, the cape is, like, the dangerous thing. Yeah, you know, it's going gonna, gonna to suck you into a jet or whatever. A jet turbine, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm... I'm still going with the cape because they look awesome, right? I mean, if I'm flying, I want that flapping behind me. But it's much more dramatic. Yeah, but then again, you know, it's kind of like if you're riding thinking. a motorcycle and have the or have the scarf flying behind you or something. So I mean, it's just, it's all a uh, it's all just a style. Oliva, what would what would your uh, superpower be? And it can't be um, choosing more superpowers. That can't you can't have a superpower to get more superpowers, and it can't be flying because I'm your dad and I already chose that. Okay, well, I have always wanted to fly, but. What I was going to say was, I'd have the ability to pause time and to like fast forward time and to back up time and like all that different stuff. So I could. I think just, that's three superpowers. No, that's just it's just time. Huh? Just just your time. So you want to be, be time? you want your superpower to be a DVR. Sure. Like a TV. I don't. Whatever. Um, but you, if I was Can able to stop time, episodes? if I was able to stop time, then I could just. Like, get all my homework done in... Well, if you stopped things. time, wouldn't you be stopped, too? No, no, no. no, no <laughs> I, that, I feel that's like if thing. she had this power, she'd probably be using it right now. That's true. She would be. She'd be fast-forwarding, do you think? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> probably. <laughs> fast-forwarding well, through whatever Wade has to say. Wasn't there, like, a... Was it Boy <laughs> Meets World or a show or something when we were kids where he could pause... T- or was that Zach Morris with uh, Saved by the Bell where he could pause time and then he would talk about stuff while it was oh, stopped. Did they do that in Saved by the Bell? I don't remember. One of those did that and then he would like he'd be like freeze or whatever and then like I remember this so thing. I don't think it was Saved by the Bell. No, no, no. My stopping of time it would just stop the clock, so everything else would keep moving. So, but the clock so would just stop. We everyone else would keep going too. Yeah, so oh. it would be one o'clock. I would stop the time and then like what would be six hours later, it's still one o'clock. I don't even. Isn't time just a construct, though? I mean, can't we just no, change I, it? This is a superhero. I with Peter mm-hmm. that, that uh, time is a construct, and therefore I think you can't freeze time the same for everyone. Okay. Well, and if I you do, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything different than what we do right now. Right. And, and what? I mean, and so that would be when I pause time. When I fast forwarded time. <laughs> so you pause time, and everyone would keep going just like they are right now. Okay. And then when you fast forwarded. Then I would just. Skip through it all. Like I would, I would get. So if I would fast forward to two days from now, I would know and have experienced everything that I had experienced. But like I wouldn't. This this could be a lot of fun. It. Like on New Year's, right? Like if you're in Times Square, you just, could just keep, keep going, just keep dropping the ball, right? <laughs> going forwards, backwards, forwards, and backwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that would be my superpower. Because then I would just get all my homework done at school, and then I wouldn't come home with any homework. Can my superpower be undoing Aliva's superpower? <laughs> you can be a supervillain. I said that. So, But, so. I mean, can my superpower be negating her superpower? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Allie, have you given it any thought? No. What would, you, you don't have any superpower that you would want? Not really. It's like uh, 
isn't there a kids show that that has a you know they have superpowers and they have the power to no super why you have the power, the power to read. Nobody watches that, that anymore. <laughs> I hate that show. I don't give that show to Beatrice as an option because she will pick it. <laughs> Sounds like it's a good show. Bee's got good, uh, got good taste, you know. I hate that show. <laughs> All right, Allie, keep thinking. We're gonna come back to you. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to come up with something, okay? You can you can pass your superpower to your father too. That would be a, a superpower. No, I'm yeah. I'm never gonna do that. Nope. Okay, well you gotta come up with something then. All right, Joel, what do you got? Well, so I'm a chemist, so um, I think one of the coolest superpowers for me to have would be the powers of Metamorpho, and his ability is to actually change his molecular structure so he can become any substance. So he can, if he, if he needs to stop an acid, he can become a base and neutralize it. Uh, if he's getting shot at with bullets, he can become as hard as steel. So I think that would be an exceptionally useful power. That sounds exceptionally useful, except for I don't know how I would use it. Um, can he fly? Because that's sure. Well, he turns into you see the right. Well, you're immediately pointing out the downside to this power, right? Because sure, he could fly. He could just become like a, a gas like a or some gas, substance yeah. that's that's lighter than air, and then immediately like Wade, the supervillain Wade, will turn on a fan and, and blow me <laughs> blow away. <laughs> blow him to the four corners of the world. See, I was just actually saying I don't understand how that all works. And like, so if you had an acid, I might like become an acid and make things worse and be like, oh, I know there was something I was supposed to do. <laughs> you know, there's a a bullet coming towards me and I like turn into Peter, balsa you wood said or something. Acid. Ass acid. Oh, I thought you said something else, and I there was an app description. Oh, okay. So Wade, what would your uh, what would your superpower be? Um, I would have a superpower where I would pour water on people and their sins would be forgiven and they would go to heaven. <laughs> would, would is that, that one already taken? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, if, even if it is, you know, you can, you can double up. Unless, Wouldn't that be pretty cool, though? Yeah, that would be. Um, Do would you have be anything else that would have to happen or like, just like special water, regular probably, water? Probably some words that you would say with it. Yeah like, yeah? like just any words? No, I think they'd probably be like set words. Set know. words. Yeah. But like no, I'm just joking. Okay, follow. I was gonna. <laughs> you know. Okay, so so I, don't, I mean I don't want to break the rules, but the follow-up question would would you have like a cape or a special costume that I you would wear? I think I'd wear probably like a white robe, maybe some sort of like thing around my shoulders. Maybe um, maybe tie like a rope around your waist yeah. or something, just to yeah. in case you needed any. I think you that'd know, be a, like accoutrements. Accoutrements. Put on your, You're on a roll today. Put on your uh, belt. It's a big word. No, I I think I would uh, erase people's memories. <laughs> That would be my superpower. I think you could really mess up a lot of stuff doing that. You could, yeah. But you could also do good things. So you could like help people by erasing their memory. Are you a villain? Is this I just I don't I think it'd be good and bad. Can you use it <laughs> can you use it on yourself? Yeah, but I don't think I would. But I I mean imagine like but, you're fighting but if you someone did, and then you someone remember? is like trying to fight you and er they erase their memory and then they're gonna be like, Wait, why am I why angry am I... at this guy? I don't even I don't wanna fight him. You know, so, so you would nice. use this for good, is what you're thinking. I'd use it for both. Oh, okay. Would would you? I would be simile with it. <laughs> Could you erase just certain parts of someone's memory, or does it have to be the whole thing? Well, like they re return to everything. Infancy? I don't want them to not be housebroken and forget how to eat and stuff. Okay, so you could just erase from like my dad's memory I'd be able why to he's memories. mad at me or yeah, something. Yeah, it'd be like uh, what's the movie the with Jim Carrey, the uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Oh, spotless mind. Spotless mind. Be like that, but a superpower. You don't need a computer, and because uh, I think that'd be a good one. 
and I, I can also then like erase computer anything that has memories I can erase their memories so like I could cancel your student debt credit card bill any of that wow that wow. seems like I don't know I don't know if those are related actually well I was thinking They're I would maybe have one language. where like I could stop time and go back and forward but then I thought that'd be like the lamest superpower ever <laughs> so I didn't pick that only one if it, only if everyone else went with you yeah Exactly. <laughs> 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 Allie, have you thought of anything yet? Yeah. My superpower what, makes sense. Just hold on. Allie's going Allie's to give us hers now. So uh, what, what are you thinking, Allie? To become, like, I can become, like, smaller or bigger when I want. Like, change sizes like Alice in Wonderland? Like, when she eats the bread and drinks the potion? Well, that's not where I got it from, but... <laughs> but that's what you're thinking? So you could, like, get through, get, like, into, like, mouse holes and... No, I Tower could. over trees. I wanted to. <laughs> if you got so small you enough, do? could you see bacteria? Yes. I can get as small as I want. So would you help out Dr. Davis then with his research? He wouldn't even need a microscope. He could just say, hey, Allie, come here. Can you go take a look at that for me? Probably not because I'm going to be at school most of the day. Well, he's at school all the day. All day but long. I'm at a different school. Oh, well, maybe you could go to his school. I can't because I'm in fourth grade. You're in fourth grade? Yep. When did that happen? <laughs> when the year started. Oh, news to me. Maybe I could go to your school. Do you need a teacher? Not really. <laughs> you've got, you've got science got, covered? Like, two new teachers. Yeah. Yeah. We've got science covered so, most of the time. So what would you do with this, getting bigger and smaller? Just scare people? <laughs> like hide behind their house? Because you'd have to be, when you're really big, you'd have to hide behind the house. I figure you'd probably always have to help people move, right? Because you could pick up the furniture. You could just pick up their house. That's true. Well, enough. like... Move their whole house. If I'm playing hide and go seek or something, I can just get smaller. Or like, if somebody's trying to get another person, I could just... Like make them small then. Allie, oh, you can the, make other the people problem I have with your with your plan, Allie, is are you gonna have outfits that fit you at all these different sizes? <laughs> I'm just gonna wear my normal clothes. Right, but Do aren't they gonna rip when you, you get bigger or fall off when you get too small? Do they, they grow? get bigger with me and get smaller? Um, you did with not me. include that as part of your superpower. She just did. You said you would change sizes. <laughs> I think changing your clothes a size is a second superpower. No, you should you should have a special. Because the Incredible Hulk, when he went Hulk, that's right. He, his they clothes just didn't change size; yep. they just ripped. They just tore. You should have a special but suit that changes sizes. They did, yeah. They were always very. Stylish, yeah, I have a special right? suit yeah. that when changes they kept sizes. Him covered, so. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, a second. They were never thing, inappropriate. No, a scientist no, made it. A scientist made it. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the fifth superpower. If you switch sizes and then you get embarrassed, your clothes doesn't fit right. I'll just erase your memory. <laughs> and I won't even know what's happening because I'll be flying flying away. And Oliva, I don't know what she'll be doing, but you'll she'll be there be with her. By the a scientist <laughs> will make me a suit right, Peter, what's that yours? will trick with I already me. said I'd, I'd fly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. He, did, he used the power pretty, on himself. Pretty exciting. <laughs> he would, Get a he, plane ticket. He, he erased his memory. He erased again. his own memory. Again. Yeah. This, yeah. this could be a problem. He's already, he's already you know, working on this power. Unfortunately, it only works on himself right now. All right, anything else about this? Superpowers? The world would be a super place or a terrible place if we had superpowers? All right, let's move on to the main topic.
that brings us to our main topic. We're going to be talking about sci-fi, about science fiction, and we're very happy to have Dr. Davis to have Joel with us here as we do so. Perhaps a good question as we get started would be, uh, how'd you get into science fiction, Joel? It's been something you've done since a kid or later in life? Or? Yeah, I've loved science fiction pretty much my entire life. Um, as as a little kid, my dad used to sit down with me in front of the TV and we watched Star Trek The Next Generation, probably still one of my favorite shows. And uh, it just exploded from there with you know various cartoons and comic books and movies. Uh, and it really, it was my inspiration for going into science. So I don't, I'm not... Um, I don't write science fiction. I'm not a literary critic uh, or anything like that. But I guess my my pedigree would be that science fiction was my inspiration for pursuing science fact. Now, do you have a favorite? Uh, I, you know, you mentioned the various sorts of uh, media for it, which it could be movies or books, comic books. Do you have a particular favorite? If you could only pick one that you would go to, Star Trek. One incarnation of it, or Star Trek: The Next Generation is by far my favorite, and that's the one with uh, John Luke Picard. Picard, yeah. Okay. No, and that one's got so that's the that's a series, right? Did they do any movies yeah. with that? Or they did. It... They did four movies okay. after that's, the series that's ended. I've seen movies yeah, so, so seven seven seasons of the TV run, and then four movies. And uh, end of next year, Picard is getting his own show oh, on really? CBS All really? Access. Yeah. Do you know what it's going to be called? Is it no? Right now, it's just like unnamed Picard show. Okay. So the that's growing up. My dad watched Next Generation. I watched it with him. That was I loved it. It was that was great. And um, so my dad was into the older Star Trek, the originals. And so I watched some of those, which were good as well. But I always gravitated to Next Generation. I think that's just because that's what I was weaned on. And then you had Deep Space Nine came mm-hmm. right after that, yep. and I got a little bit into that. And then after that, I kind of it got. It got too wild for me. There were too many different iterations and things to keep track of. And they didn't they they just came through with new Star Trek yeah. movies recently in the last maybe uh, yeah. five, ten so years they, or so. Yeah, it was two thousand nine, I think, when they rebooted the movies, and that's okay. based on the the original series from the sixties, so it's got Kirk and Spock and okay. all of them. Um, and they've got a they just started a new T V show last year, Star Trek Discovery, which is set in the Star Trek continuity about ten years before Kirk and the original series. Oh, okay. So prequel. Yeah. yeah. So the movies, the movies, the latest movies are kind of in their own universe. They're kind of an offshoot, a different timeline. Okay. And the new series on CBS All Access is um, set in the same continuity as all of the other TV series that have come before it. So one of the things that when you're talking about, especially with movies and TV shows, you you talk about the universe, and I think this is kind of yeah. an important concept for people that aren't into it. So you say that it's in the same universe, but it's it's on its own, kind of standing off on its side. And some of the new Star Wars movies are like this too, and I don't know how into Star Wars you are, but you have like um, Rogue One, and then there's another one that, or the, the Han Solo movie yeah. um, that came out, and those are, they're not in the, the same... Uh, narrative arc of the movie but they're in the same universe and right. this is an interesting concept right. it's so. it's not you're not following the same characters it's not necessarily the same events but it's in the same world so you're seeing the same alien races they're using the technology they're talking about things in the exact same way so that there's some familiar familiarity there's comfort and there's this sense that even if it's not characters that you have known before they're doing things that would interact with those other characters right they're living in that same space sure yeah that's and i i find that interesting when when i'm watching that just to think 
what that does when it gives you, like you said, that familiarity where you sit down as a viewer or as a reader, if you're, if you're reading uh, in, within the universe but not within the same specific narrative arc, um, that familiarity allows you then to kind of jump in quicker. Right. And you 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 kind of know what's going on, even though it's really a completely separate story. And so in a lot of ways, creating this this concept of creating a universe mm-hmm. within sci fi is just really fascinating to me that the rules that that hold there are different. And so mm-hmm. but they're they're the same across those those different uh, instances. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, what else other than other than uh, in the movies and TV shows? What are some of your um, interests in science fiction? Uh, comic books are, are, are a big one. Um, love superheroes. My son and I are watching lots of superhero cartoons these days. Um, even, you know, even as we were working on letters, he knew some of the secret identities of his superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, so the attraction with sci-fi, obviously we've got at, you know, they have cool stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They have spaceships, they have lasers. Lasers is an impressive thing. Um, but what about, you know, you said it, it got you into the sciences, is interested in it. What stands out from the standpoint of that genre? Um, I mean, in many ways, the plots are going to wrestle with similar things that other sorts of fiction will deal with. What specifically about the sci-fi genre are some of the things that have attracted you to it um, that, you know, you think makes it a great way to bond with your kids over it uh, that, you know, pushes you to real science and not just lasers, although lasers are part of real science too, I guess, but anything with that. Well, so to answer the question, let's step back. There's there's sort of, there's different levels of sci-fi, right? So there's this sort of candy wrapper level where it's got laser pistols and energy swords and it's in space and there's aliens, right? And it sort of has this veneer of being the future or something out there, right? That's not in our normal existence, right? Um, and so that's we usually ascribe all of those things to science fiction. I think that maybe those may be some of the elements that turn people off of it, right? And then if you actually dig deeper, right, you get the world building that we were talking about, where you're you're seeing how these kind of fictional cultures are built up and how they interact with one another, and, and sort of what are the rules that the universe is structured by. And then the thing that I really like about science fiction, good science fiction, whether it's literature or movies or comic books, whatever the case may be, is a story or a part of a narrative that acts really as a mirror. It gets you thinking about the human condition, right? It's teaching us or trying to teach us or expose something about the way we live, who we are, and to get us thinking about it. And so, and Ray Bradbury said something along the lines of that, you know, science fiction pretends to be in the future, but it's really a mirror looking back at what's just ahead of us, right? Um, it's this idea that it's not, it's not this impossibility or something, it's not in a galaxy far, far away, right? It's something that we can attain or we can work toward. Um, and it's, or it's something that's showing us something that we need to work on. Right, as a species or a culture, whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, this gets to the heart of one of the things that's really interesting to me. Oliva, um, <clears throat> Dr. Davis is talking about it, science fiction kind of being in the future. Star Wars, is that in the future? Well, yeah. Oliva is oh, making a kind of um, this is a, like she's put off by the question. Do you, do you have the prices right wrong sound? Oh, no, we should, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Peter, but ask me that same with, question now. Uh, wait, is is uh, Star Wars set in the future? No. How do you know? 
<laughs> no, you didn't say set in the future. You said, is it in the future? Yeah, well, is it, yeah, is oh. it in the future? Is it set in the future? Oh, I didn't is understand it, what that. Is it, how, does it, how does it start? The scrolling words? The I actually, iconic yes, scrolling far, words? Far, far away. Whatever. Yeah. A long time I'm ago in a yeah. galaxy long far, time. far away. A long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So it's in the past. <laughs> but my point is, we, see, we think of it as futuristic. I think it's interesting that Star Wars, um, they mm-hmm. actually say, no, we're going to make it in the past right. deliberately, and people still think of it in the future. Um, I would assume that's just that it's taken so long for the light to get to us <laughs> that it's... <laughs> the, uh, I think one of the, the interesting things, well, there's a few with what you brought out, but maybe if we take the first kind of as, you know, you're constructing a, a universe or a galaxy or uh, a future time, a past time, whatever the, whatever, you know, we're picking here. Whatever the case I was keeping myself from saying it. And uh, I think that one of the fun things about that, which you are getting at, is it kind of shows what we value, what we don't value, what we hope to attain for, what we hope to leave behind. What, uh, as you think of sci-fi and you, and you think of uh, maybe examples that will come to mind, what are some things that would illustrate ways in which these universes, galaxies, future places, past places, tell us something about ourselves. Do you have anything in particular that would come to mind with that? I mean, I'm thinking of Kurt Vonnegut, uh, you know, and you've got Billy Pilgrim, and he goes, and what is it, Trafalgar, Trafalgar or whatever, and they they see the, um, is that, I can't remember what they're called, the aliens, but they see stories all at once. And, you know, Billy Pilgrim's kind of jumping around time, and he Mm -hmm. says, and so it goes. And really, there's a lot of going on there with what Vonnegut's doing, but you know he's using those aliens basically to say something about how we in the West see time along a, a linear right. way mm-hmm. and how we view a story. But I guess anything that you've found insightful in looking at any of those is things. that the one where the the bombs get pulled back up into the plane? I'm trying. I, couldn't, I can't remember. There, no, there's an author where it's like these aliens or something. Oh, they that's see how everybody dies. Is that uh, the guy's trying to take off? One of one of these aliens is trying to take off, and yeah, there's an explosion because but, of it. I, and the universe ends, that, and they know it ends that way, but they're not freaked out about it because that's just how it ends. Right, and they, I can't remember if it was that or something else where the aliens are like, oh, look, they've got this way they can just scoop up explosions and the bombs go back in the plane because they saw time non-linearly, and now, so they think, saw it in the reverse. Oh, yeah, wrong I think order. that might be. Um, well, so, something that comes to mind now um, is... Uh, if you go back to um, like Asimov and any anything about like AI, right, or um, you know art, artificial intelligences and and artificial beings, right, because that is actually something that's kind of that is coming to the forefront. You've got so many places where they're working on AI and integrating that, and um, there there are probably some not safe for work examples that I could go into nowadays with that. But um, one one where there was research a few years ago was actually with um, Alexa that, um, you know, parents are putting out the Echo or whatever home device they had for kids and the kids are talking to it, right? Play me a song, tell me a joke. And the researchers actually started looking because kids were forming relationships with Alexa, right? It was the Alexa was their friend, right? And s- issues like that, that we are actually having to deal with and i'm sure if you ask people they would have never thought that this would be an issue in our lives this is becoming an issue and science fiction talks about these things you know if you go back a half century or more yeah that's that's great i um 
Have you seen the uh, reboot of Battlestar Galactica? Maybe Not much 10, of it. 15 years ago. Yeah. It's it's worth doing. The ending was disappointing, but um, but there's actually a prequel to that reboot. So it's kind of a goofy thing, but it's called Caprica. Caprica, yeah. Yeah, and um, that one I love, and it got canceled right away. Usually things that I like get canceled. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but uh, one of the things they do in that is uh, in Caprica, they're dealing with this transition to when machines you know, have this art, this artificial intelligence, this independent intelligence, and that transition as that's happening. And they really kind of wrestle with that. And as they're going through that, you you realize the question, the way that they're asking the question isn't exactly the questions were, how we're asking the questions, but they are absolutely the same questions that we're asking with artificial intelligence. Or even before we start really kind of talking about artificial intelligence a number of years ago, just interacting with the internet, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. just having, you know, a, a digital existence. What does it mean to have an online identity? You know, when I was in uh, high school, the internet, you know, most parents had no clue really what it was. Maybe they just put a pipe into their house because their kids asked for it. They would check their email, but they didn't realize that what their kids pipe? had like a internet pipe, you know, probably like a dial up at that point. Remember the dial up modems? But, That's all yeah, but that was a cable, wasn't it? Yeah. Pipe? I mean, I just use pipe figuratively, you know? Okay. I was just confused. <laughs> what kind of internet? You it's not lead, on? right? Not That's lead. a big no, problem they, in no, Milwaukee. We, we, we got rid of that. Okay. That's, yeah. Um, they put an internet connection into their house to be a little bit clearer for Wade's sake. And um, they didn't realize that their, that their children were all of a sudden had these relationships with people all around the United States, all around the world even. And, they had, and the second step of that then is realizing that they could be someone entirely different. And so all of a sudden, someone that had certain problems um, at, at school, they didn't have those problems in their online world anymore. And they create and they lived there and that became really attractive because they could just leave that other stuff behind. And so mm-hmm. dealing with those questions, even before you get to artificial intelligence, become really interesting. And you're in the Caprica, they are qu- asking some of those questions, but in a really kind of in your face way. And also, um, the, with, whole different world and so it seems like everything is just fanciful and fantastic and um in a way it's pretty easy to dismiss but the questions underlying it all are just really are very real and and fascinating Mm -hmm. along those lines uh i've been reading a lot of stuff for this christ and culture course that we're building here in the theology department for applied theology and one of the books i read recently was uh i gotta put my glasses back on uh, it's called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brain. And then the book I'm really reading now is called World Without Mind. And it's basically a journalist looking at Google, Facebook, Amazon, and how it's in some ways cheapened knowledge because it's made it so available. Um, but it, I can't remember which of these books talks about, you know, already back in the 60s, there was some experiment where there was a robot who learned to like mimic back questions that that fit, that fit with what people were talking about? <coughs> Excuse me. So there's this account of this woman saying, you know, oh, yeah, my father gets angry sometimes or something like that, and the machine learned to say, oh, tell me more about that. And the inventor of this eventually had where his secretary was using it as part of this experiment, and she would ask him to leave the room because she was having such personal conversations with this machine. And it gets at how it does shape our minds or how we think about things. The information that we get, and, you know, uh, Bradbury comes to mind with mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit. Definitely, yeah, Fahrenheit. And, uh, you know, how we're getting information through the screens, not through books. And, I mean, that's way ahead of its time. 
But it really does factor in. You know, Google's not only giving you information, it's giving you the information it has decided is most pertinent or most likely to fit, you know, you. How many of us really go to the 10th page of a Google search? The same as Facebook is trying to find out what you're going to want. You think, I've got all these friends and I'm going to see my news feed. Well, you're going to see the news feed that Facebook thinks you should see, as well as Amazon. Something like a third of purchases on Amazon are from the suggestions after you've mm-hmm. purchased something. Hmm. And it really is interesting to look at how these things affect us. And in the world without mind, he really gets at at Google. And, you know, Page, his father was a computer scientist as well in East Lansing at Michigan State, the founder of Google. And uh, he's all about AI, right? This is a really big thing. And, and the reason Google is scanning all these books that like it does isn't because they want to read all these books. It's because then AI can learn to work with these books um, and also, it changes the nature of a text, which is really fascinating because most people, once these books have been scanned, don't encounter the books as a whole text, but they encounter the parts of the books that people have chosen to highlight that they think are important or to cut and to paste. And think about how many of us now don't find quotes from different works or from authors by Googling it, and then it comes up somewhere, but almost never encounter the text as a whole I think the same in music. Uh, I'm still a stickler for, I'm going to listen to a whole album. Like, I, I still won't do, like, I'm going to listen to one song by one person. I want to listen to the whole album. But imagine that with books or with other things, too. So I think that's a fascinating thing with artificial intelligence and how that plays out. And it is interesting. You get Bradbury is really the flip side um, of, uh, um, what is it, Brave New World in 1984. Bradbury is... People get sick of the books, and they just, so there's a lack of demand, and they decide to eventually make it illegal to have them. You're talking about Orwell and Huxley, yeah. and the others, yeah, and oh, and Orwell would be the government says to get rid of the right. books, you know. So Fahrenheit uh, 451 is really the people get what they want, which mm-hmm. is the screens. Orwell, as the government says, you can't have that, and I think in many ways Bradbury's probably more right as far as people, you know, choosing the screens. But sorry, I threw a lot out there. Oh, yeah, you're right. I always feel bad because I sometimes listen to um, like podcasts when I'm going to sleep to just turn my brain off so I don't think about things. Not yeah. not this podcast, of, of course. course not, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I always think of the seashells reference, you know, of his wife falling asleep with the seashells. Yeah. And I think, yeah, oh, the yeah, shells in the ear, yeah. 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 No, that was, that was a little creepy when I read that. That's Bradbury, right? That's, that's yeah, that's for, that's for for one. It was a little creepy when I read that um, as an adult, and I was like, oh, wow, that's... That's earbuds, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what you were saying, Wade, like I was just, there was, um, uh, I can't remember the name. There was a Netflix show out recently and I didn't, I haven't, I didn't see much of it. I just read, you know, descriptions online, but it was all about transhumanism where basically like, um, you can take your memories and everything, right? Because we're dealing with a very atomistic view of, of yeah. who you are, right? You take all of your memories and you basically digitize all of them, right? And you stick, you stick that into a new shell, which is a, just a new body, right? Yeah. So you just unplug who you are and plug it into someone else. Of course, then this whole capitalistic kind of economy rises from that, right? The people who are rich can afford young, beautiful, uh, you know, human bodies. Whereas, you know, if you're if you're down and out, you'll end up in like an old person, right, yeah. or something like that. Or you won't end up at all, right? Yeah, and I mean these kinds of things. I mean, there are people who are working on these ideas, right? How can I store my memories? How can I? And this is something. My I life? mean, that once again, Google founders have come out and talked about of, you know, one of the goals being basically to have Google in your brain. Yeah. You know, one of the, I, to me that would be insanity. I mean, you, you have all this 
information but no wisdom but I, right. yeah this is people really do think this can happen right now i know that they've got some um like prosthetics that you can put in with magnets and some other pieces so that you can try to people are trying to upgrade themselves mm -hmm. right and so this is something that people are going to work on they're going to keep working on and then it whether whether the science fiction that talks about this directly raises the question or whether as a reader you think about it it, it seems to always come back to the question is what makes us human right mm -hmm. and where do we draw that line and it's, I think for me, going, going way, way back to the question, you know, that's one of the things that I think inspired me was uh, I've, I've always been drawn to uh, somewhat more positive science fiction like Star Trek, right? Which, which asked the questions, but also kind of had an aspirational piece to it, right? That there are these problems, but we are going to overcome them somehow, right? And so seeing, seeing these people working hard, using science in some positive way to help people, I think that was inspirational for me you know so I, I mean i would still love to be the captain of a starship but uh, i think that's funny because i i think i go the opposite direction where as we talk about this i would have thought at the beginning you know oh i'm not really into sci-fi but i guess i am to the extent of i really dig dystopian novels yeah. and uh or tv shows mm -hmm. and uh um you know well even the one I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I ended up getting into it, but I had a colleague down the hall who referenced it a few times, and I kind of poked fun at it, and then I decided to watch it, but A Handmaid's Tale? I don't know if you... Oh, but like, yeah. <laughs> like, anything dystopian I'm really drawn to, but I think that maybe says something about me, too, that um, rather than the aspirational, I guess I just expect everything to go wrong. Well, is that because, uh, is that because you think it's actually closer to our actual existence, because... Without, yeah, I mean, without I, Christ, it really is. Kind most of, a of my studying is, is on original sin and flacious, so <laughs> with aspirations. So I think that probably does play into that. But I, I, I do think, along with you have the aspirational, the overcoming on the dystopian side, you really do get to see people's fears projected in a very real way too. And I think that can be helpful for understanding stuff too. Uh, what are people afraid of? And, you know, you get in Orwell, and he's very afraid of the government, right? Even though, I mean, Orwell is a socialist. He thinks the government can do good things. He's not getting rid of all government. But um, but then you get, like, a brave new world, which is a very structured, caste-like society, scientific, um, that wants to remove, you know, largely emotion. I, I think it's interesting to see what different times and people view that. But I think with this transhumanism, it is you get at as well what is a human and what's the value of a human right what what makes a human being valuable and oftentimes i think it's going to be viability and their ability to contribute to things mm -hmm. so there are theological questions that are obviously all over the place when you're when you're dealing with this and even when you're looking at something like star trek or star wars or something you know more mainstream you're, you're asking the question, well, are the, you know, theological question, are these ensouled, you know, um, right. creatures, right? So the, do, do we have, you know, the moral um, responsibility to them, you know, in a theological sense? Um, but there also is the philosophical question, what makes someone, I mean, this goes all the way back to the ancients, what makes, what makes a human a human? What's the difference? Why aren't we just rocks or dogs or, you know, anything else? It's, I mean, anything else that exists. Are we humans and or are we dancers? That's right. That's a good question. Um, the, uh, you know, Aristotle's answer is, well, maybe a rational animal. Um, maybe it's a featherless biped. He's got a few of them. Maybe being risible, right? The ability to laugh. Um, so there's different ways you can classify that. But that question is a persistent question, and that is, all over sci-fi you just can't you can't escape that um you also in fantasy too which is you know kind of 
in that same yeah they're realm. in the same i mean even as far as 100 years ago science fiction and fantasy were really actually part of the same group yeah i've never so. understood the difference between i mean well i wanted to yeah i wanted to talk about that because you brought up the dystopian novels and oftentimes those pull-ons kind of sci-fi themes or like ideas. Well, brave new world brave new world yeah fahrenheit 451 for sure yeah. yep but um but there's obviously something a little they're doing something a little different there right i mean so in brave new world they're um he's huxley's trying to see what it would be like in in an actual world right in the, if we continue down this path what's going to happen and if you haven't read brave new world just do yourself a favor and do it it's just fantastic and um i would say you know if we've got people listening with middle schoolers or high schoolers i would let my middle schooler or high schooler read it with appropriate you know talking about some of the themes but there's a couple things in brave new world where i think it yeah there's the the orgy because that's one that i have recommended before and then i was like whoa i forgot about this <laughs> I know. you know so the, one section i think I've, i maybe i've actually mentioned this on the podcast but if if i did oh well um when i taught middle school um the, my students would always ask me you know what what i like to read and i was i'm always i've always been much more of a uh, uh i what i'm what i have to read and so i'm not reading a lot for for leisure so there's kind of some go-to's that I'll that'll come back to and uh and they bugged me I actually it was good for me because I actually ended up reading a lot more leisurely because they were telling me oh you need to read this or you know what do you think about this and so I picked up more but one of them I would talk about I love talking about the dystopian novels and say you should read some of these and then compare them and you know kind of have this in your repertoire and I was telling one of them uh you know, Brave New World is my favorite, and they were. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go read that. And then I thought, oh shoot, I should, uh, I should <laughs> just check with your parents first. Unfortunately, his dad was a teacher there as well, so I ran, ran down the hall right away and just said, hey, listen, I just told your son like Brave New World, but you, rem- if you've read it, you'll remember there are some like, kind of questionable things. So you should just talk to him. He was like, oh, that's fine. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. But it's there are definitely some some things in there that you have to, you know. Tread lightly with, but I think most high any high schoolers they'd be fine with it. It's you know you're once you get to that point. Anyway, get back to the point. You brought up dystopian novels, um, and I brought in fantasy, fantasy deliberately there. So you have this kind of this genre that we call sci-fi, but then some people would say, well, I'm not into sci-fi, but I'm into fantasy. So think, you know, I'm not into Star Wars, Star Trek, but I am into um, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, right? And you can understand there's definitely a distinction there. Um, we were actually on the way over here. Allie was asking, well, what is sci-fi? And um, we started having this discussion. So not so much like wizards and witches and witchcraft mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff, but um, things like you'll see in Star Wars. But then you get quite things like The Force in Star Wars. Well, that seems a whole lot more like something that you might see in Tolkien, right? right? So there's definitely a crossover. But for me, and you know, add to this or or tell me that I'm full of it. But to me, it, it what it what all of these things do. Whether you're looking in a you know dystopian, what's the future going to be like if we continue down this path? Whether you're looking at fantasy, if we you know if if there's all these creatures that live side by side with us and the world is just different, or in sci-fi, in a place that's you know different than ours, it's just separate from ours, and so there's different kind of rules of engagement. All of them are creating a space within which to ask largely the same questions. And the best fantasy, the best sci-fi, the best dystopian novels, they're asking human questions. What does it mean to be human? Why is it so bad that, you know, to be human? What can we do to overcome these terrible things, right? Mm-hmm. All of those are great questions and questions that, we are, that those genres or genre um, give us the space to really um, explore in a way that we can't explore as easily in just you know standard literature. I mean, Faulkner does some great work, right? 
but there's some things that Faulkner is probably a bad example because he explores everything. But he he's limited by reality. Mm-hmm. Um, That's I think I, again I think it was uh, Bradbury who said that um, science fiction is is the last playground where philosophers can roam freely. Right, because you can just you can imagine anything, and you can take it to the nth degree. Right, it doesn't. I science fiction and especially fantasy has they have that disconnect. I mean, world building is a part of both of them, kind of share. But I think science fantasy sometimes sometimes leans a little bit more. I think on the side of those deep questions because you can take everything to the nth degree. Right, if, if we keep going in this direction as a society, right, what is it going to look like? Here's a story about that, and now what are the implications of that? Right, and what does that mean for us now? Is this is this where we want to go? Right, especially if it's a dystopian novel. So, do you think, in your experience, is, is fantasy sci-fi, is it always going, is it always kind of looking forward and asking those questions, or is it sometimes telling our own story? I, and I'm, I just this just came to me, so maybe I'm just way off base here. But think about um, Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. doing a lot of the same stuff, right? There's sure. crazy things that gets pulled in with the gods there and right. the um, and the theophany, but you've got um, the, uh, Wade, Wade and Oliva are, are dancing here. They have a dance routine going. We're flossing. Are you, are you listening to the cantina <laughs> theme over there? <laughs> I floss better than Oliva. No, I was showing you how to do it. <laughs> I think I do it better. Wade, uh, Oliva, don't do that. He doesn't need to know this. <laughs> um, no, with, but with the, with Homer, you've got these questions, but it really seems he's, he's definitely asking human questions, but he's also telling a story, right? He's telling mm-hmm. this is where he came from, which seems seems different. There's a There's a different kind of, at least... Uh, on the surface, the purpose is different. Even though I think ultimately Homer's yeah. asking human questions as well. But I don't know. Yeah, Tol- Tolkien too. I mean, if you look at um, the Shire, right, the ultimate story of the Shire with the with the scourging that's done by um, Saruman, right? Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing, that whole uh, the idea of industrialization, right, yeah. and losing losing sort of that that pastoral life, right. Yeah. Um, and this is where maybe you need a literary critic. I don't know. Yeah. But th- I think I think you're. Right. I th- I feel like there's there's a lot. Peter, do you know there. what? An illiterate critic. An illiterate critic. A literate. Oh, literary critic. I like I'm, an English professor. Or I might know an English professor. Oliva, do you know anybody you could ask about that stuff? Yeah, I think so. Who Who would you ask if you had a a and like a literature professor type question? My mom. Oh. That's a good idea. Yeah, I never thought about that one. Sorry, I interrupted, but I just couldn't resist. Joel, I, I hopefully you still have your train of thought. I apologize. Uh, I don't. Everyone's dead on that train. I think. <laughs> um, Oliva, you were going to say something. So I was wondering, how sci-fi would you say Harry Potter was, or more fantasy? I would ca- I would call it fantasy. Yeah. But it's kind of dealing with it, the same things, right? Yeah. It. Um, it would fall under right. There's all these different like buckets, right? You get you got the science fiction fantasy bucket, and then you've got all the little sub buckets that you mm-hmm. can put everything in. And it's kind of in that uh, that sort of modern take on fantasy, right? Where it's you're in the modern world, but kind of hidden behind the everyday world. There's this this mythical world, right? Where the other these creatures and wizards and everything like that. Um, and that's where a lot of I mean, that's that's where like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Would sure, fall, yeah, good right? one, yeah. I, I think one of the things, and you were getting at this too, Joel, that's helpful with science fiction or fantasy is that you're able to, the fact that it's in another world or universe or galaxy or time or mm-hmm. it's something behind something else, 
allows you maybe to uh, think about things more openly than you would if it were rooted in you know, your everyday life where, of course, there are things that are polarizing or that we have gut reactions to. <clears throat> There's a, um, I think David Brake is the scholar, B-R-A-K-K-E, but he does some interesting stuff with like late antiquity and how uh, monks, Eastern monks, would project what they were struggling with onto demons because once they externalized it, it almost became better, easier to struggle with it by it being outside of them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe what sci-fi and fantasy does is it, it does that in a cultural or societal way. By putting it outside of that, we can then make parallels to our own life and right. bring things in. But we might be on the different side. We might we might be on different ends of the political spectrum or of different religious faiths, um, of different uh, languages even or cultural experiences. But what it what that enables us to do is we're now all in you know space mm-hmm. or we're all in the past or the future. And uh, I think it is a neat way, uh, I mean, of doing philosophy and theology even across boundaries, um, precisely because it does that. So I don't, I, I wish I could remember the name of that Brocky book, but. Um, the Gnostics? No. Talking Back? It, it's a black and brownish uh, cover. Um, he's done a lot with monks and Latin. I'll look it up. Okay, you look it up. Um, um, but this idea demons of, and making of oh, the monk. that's it. Yeah, demons in the making of the monk. And I think you know there's something really to that of once you can put something outside of yourself, you can really address it. And we even do this right sometimes when we're dealing with counseling or or, or therapy. You know, to to put this outside of yourself and then try to be able to you know um, address it in a uh, in a way that is much harder to do. Right. Well, this is, I mean, the Bible, you guys talk about the Bible sometimes, right? Um, Um, We were trying to get Wade to do that. Um, They made me put my Bible away because apparently it wasn't (laughs) wasn't the Bible. Bible. It was the Book of Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, uh, I mean, King King David, right? You are the man, Mm -hmm. right? That that whole idea of there's, here's here's a different story. Here's something else going on, but it applies to you. Yeah, that, oh, that's a great, yeah, that's great because I, that's even better than what I was going to say, and yet I'm still talking. Um, I think that's exactly what it does. It strips away all of our um, presuppositions about the world. Mm-hmm. It strips away all of our prejudices, and it puts us in a place where we're all strangers, and yet then we all have the the same you know citizenship or, or authenticity there. And now we're dealing with with questions that we would be dealing with, but all of that baggage is kind of taken away. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the, uh, at least briefly, about the the bad side of sci-fi. So when people say sci-fi, a lot of people will roll their eyes and be like, oh, and they'll start doing things like going, and making nerd the, um, noises. What's the Big Bang Theory? Like yeah. Like Sheldon? Yep, yeah. exactly. Um, and there's, and I, I, don't, uh, I don't think that that critique is without warrant. Um, there's a lot, one of the things that Can sci-fi... I ask? Joel, just to gauge you on this, do you dress up to go to movies? No. Okay. Because that is next level, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely not... next level. Have you ever been to the thing they do at Serb Hall where they... No. Because that's by my house and there's people that get all dressed up for that, like they have convention or whatever. That's, and they... that's what, for mass? No, right. it's not in. It's not <laughs> at St. Sava's, it's in the Serb Hall. Oh, okay. 
All right, I was just curious. I wasn't going to no, judge that either. I just, so I, you know, I, I like, I love like tabletop board games, and I love role playing games, mm-hmm. like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But like dressing up, that is a level. That is a level that I would not go to. Is like maybe like with your friends as a game, pretending you're a wizard. That's fine. Dressing up like a wizard, that's a whole. Different... You know, the thing that's interesting to me though is Peter is wearing a Unless Viking shirt right for it now, in a movie. right? I mean, he's for sports games. Don't we dress we up do. for yeah, that absolutely. all the time? Yep. So I so think we, it is fact, interesting even, when it's appropriate to jerseys, dress up and when it's right? not. We'll put on yeah. like the jerseys, so like I'm like the football right. player. Well, right? I'll, yeah. I'll, I mean, I, I would point that out to anyone who critiques, oh, like you play Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, well, okay, well, you like a game where a bunch of guys dressed up in tights and run around a yard, right? right? Yeah. Yep. So, no, I, th- I think that's totally fair. Well, and what I was going to say is that one of the things that sci-fi fantasy in general allows is for really just kind of you get caught up in the the veneer. And then the big questions aren't being asked at all. And so it's just bad sci-fi and it's just kind of worthless. And this is where, when my wife and I first got married and I was like, oh, I really like sci-fi. Some of the things that I, I mean, I grew up with, like I said, um, Star Trek Next Generation, Doctor Who, like these were things that I just, like my dad watched and I watched them with him and I thought these are great. And she thought, you know, just kind of some of the terrible sci-fi that that you watch during the daytime on Sci-Fi Network. And you're like, oh man, this is just, it's just clearly about like, the crazy weapon, but then everything just is kind of up in the air and you just kind of feel like, what are we really doing here other than just putting on a show? It's a spectacle. All right. And that's fine. Everyone needs escapism as well. But spectacle can have substance as well. And that's what, you know, I mean, I'm looking for, for, for both of those. And so, you know, all the great CGI is, is wonderful in a movie, but if it doesn't have a good... Um, narrative arc that that goes along with it, and that's eh. if you want to go back uh, however many summers you want, right? There's been big tentpole films that I I don't know how much substance is there. They've got tons of money, it's tons of CGI and big name actors, but what what is there what to chew doing? on, right? What yep. are they doing? Yep. Or or authors who get locked into world building, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they they're really they would build out these fantasy worlds and they add all these creatures and things like that but they've got names that no one can actually pronounce and it just gets confusing right and at at that point what are you trying to do yeah if that's if that's all you've got you're i mean you're you're falling you're falling flat in my estimation now i understand like i said everyone needs their spectacle and if they if they get into that that's fine it's i mean the, mm-hmm. the sports example is perfect cuz why do people get into sports i mean i i uh I cheer for the Vikings. I cheer for the um, for the Brewers, and I do that pretty, you know, pretty committedly. And yet, I'm very aware that this is a silly thing to do, and there's no reason to, you know, worry about you well, know 16 arbitrary Sundays and a fantasy a, football even too. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like a whole other level, right? Yeah. You go, you kind of are stacking on top of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I get the critique of you know, but I mean, sci-fi. isn't there something to that? To start to jump in there, but. I mean, we find cavemen drawings, you know, um, that in all likelihood are, right, a step to kind of get out themselves and, and come up with some tale of something. Isn't it, I mean, essentially, whether it be sports or sci-fi or something else, just in the end of the day, really human to want something that you can kind of step into um, that has all the elements of what, uh, I mean, whether it be sci-fi or a football game, it's got all the elements of great mythology in it, right? There's going to be big events that happen. There's going to be, you know, you're, you're on the edge of your seat. If you're into that type of thing, I mean, it, uh, what people pick, right. Can obviously vary and, and be somewhat arbitrary, but 
I think both are probably reflective of the same human impulses. You know, I mean, Darth Vader is, end of the day, not that different from Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Darth Vader we discussed with Adam Morton is actually, um, wasn't, wasn't Darth Vader Aaron Rodgers? That, that was, that yeah. was, yeah. yeah. So I think he's, that's already taken. But uh, we could have, like, Darth Maul could be Tom Brady or something. Or any of the Darths, if you, if you want to chime in, Wade. A, I didn't know there was favorite, more than one your Darth. Your favorite Darth? Darth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just keeps coming back, I hear. So. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I'll pick on my own favorite, right? Starting the next generation. There mm-hmm. are some great episodes, right, that deep, deal with really deep questions. And there are some really terrible episodes, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's... Those it, would be called the uh, equivalent of the Lions-Bills game. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it's all, right, production values and, and what went into it. You know, who knows what the flub was. But, again, y- you just get that – you get those times when something just doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? No, and this is where I think that when you read um, uh, Tolkien's um, – uh, help me out here. Not, not The Hobbit, but the – Lord the Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. Um, you realize, man, he's got so much packed into there. And I mean, and it all hangs together and, and mm-hmm. it really follows along and it's so dense and you and you you can appreciate that because it is easy to say, ah, I've got my I've got my dwarves and my elves and you know, I'm just gonna I got, I'm tired, I'm gonna kinda mail this one in. And I think that in a in a serial like um like Star Trek the Next Generation, it's oh, easier I thought you to meant do that. Serial like uh, Frosted Flakes. No, not like that. Okay. Um and uh you know, I should just changing course a little bit here because I just have to mention it is so. I'm thinking of Tolkien, so a contemporary of his, C.S. Lewis. Have you read the Space uh, Trilogy? Yeah, I, I was going to say I've got to bring that up at yeah. least once in this podcast. This is one that I've to- I know I've told this story in the podcast before, but this is one that I didn't know C.S. Lewis re- wrote until I don't, maybe ten years ago. I was I was into adulthood, well into adulthood, and someone mentioned it, and I was blown away. How did I not know this? So yeah. So what are your thoughts on the C.S. Lewis space trilogy? I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, actually. I think my second, my, my favorite was the second book, uh, Paralandra. Yeah. I think that was by far my favorite of the series. So if I remember right, it's been a while since I read it, but the, the first one they go to, um, they go, they go to a planet that is basically it's Mars, Mars, right? Yeah, it's got a different is. name. Yeah, because um, the natives call it something different, but it's Mars. Yeah, and then the second one they go to Venus, Venus, yeah, Carolandra, mm-hmm. and then the third one they're on Earth. The third right? one is on Earth. Yeah. yeah, and that's the I got it pulled up here. The, the hit that hideous strength. Yes, um, so, the third one is interesting because it mixes, it melds um, elements of fantasy. Because I think I, Merlin is in it. I think okay, I think Merlin gets revived at one point and, and helps them in what they're trying to do. It was also just, it was also kind of a slog to get through because there's a lot of like academic things that are going on. Like the character is an academic. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff in the academic he world. A, and I think that Lewis was probably, uh, may have been poking at the academic life that he lived in or people that he knew. Um, but I'm not sure, but it took a bit to get through, but it was, it was good. Um, but yeah, the second one was on Venus and that was, it was a sort of a, a pre fall state for Venus. Yeah. And, the our protagonist right this human being ends up on venus before i guess you'd say it before before the marriage of adam and eve there's mm-hmm. a, there's an equivalent and um satan is there too and trying to tempt the the venus the venusian eve and the the human is sort of acting as a means by which um god is working essentially to try to thwart the efforts of the devil and so it's, it's interesting just following that whole argument 
and and these series of events to try to basically prevent the fall of man, you know, but on Venus. Right. Yeah. And so you get this you get this kind of Miltonian question of in in Paradise Lost, where like what is Paradise like? But you're doing it with the person who lives in the fallen world and has been transported to this this prelapsarian world, mm-hmm. right? And um, and you have this prelapsarian Eve character, and it's just yeah, I that, I, that was my favorite one as well. Um, if you if you're interest if you like C.S. Lewis and you haven't read this, go get it. I absolutely I mean, just, recommend it. I mean, I enjoyed uh, some of the Narnia tales, right? But I this was and I I like all of his other his theological work. Yeah. But this was really good. Well, and we I really should I should that. say that this is so Narnia is obviously fantasy and it's written more for a for a younger audience. This mm. is definitely written for an adult audience. Oh, yeah. Not that there's anything terribly inappropriate. I mean, no. there's some there's some like you know, nakedness and stuff that's talked yeah. about because obviously you're, you're a prelapsarian, you know, Venetian Slight, world. Slightly <laughs> titillating. Yes. But there's it's also nothing. that in the Bible though, too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's in fact, right. it, it starts with it fairly early on. It does. Yeah. It just comes right out of the box. It's with some, with some, uh, some no, it was, details. And it, it was, it came out of nothing. God created out of nothing, not <laughs> out of a box. But did he create Adam and Eve out of nothing? Huh? Did he create Adam and Oh, Eve you mean them specifically? Like, yeah, well, because that's I where I feel the, like you're uh, taking us far afield of what we were discussing, <laughs> Peter. I want to go back to uh, the Space Trilogy. So um, if, you, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia and you say, yeah, I like that, but, you know, it's the, they're a little bit thinner um, for, for an adult read. Although when you reread them, they're always, they're always fun, at least for me. Um, but this definitely is dense. This is more dense, and it's, it's a fun tale. Um, there's a lot of academic stuff. The main character is a philologist, I believe, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, clearly a bit of a C.S. Lewis character. He's writing himself into the story. Um, and, uh, yeah, he gets, ends up finding himself as he needs to be the, the, the hero in a way. And mm-hmm. he's, he's not, uh, not set for it. Ransom. Is that his name? Yeah. I think yeah, that's his Ransom. name. It's been a while. So, yeah. Me Probably too. just as long that since I read that, but it's also, it's, it's an interesting take too, on, because it is a, a Christian outlook on, the structuring of the universe, right? Because I, I, one of the scenes, and I think it was from, I want to say it was from Out of the Silent Planet, but it might have been that hideous strength where our character actually gets to see angels, and he would he always talks about them weirdly, like they're they're at weird angles, and they don't mm-hmm. quite, they're very ephemeral, and they don't look quite right, and he makes this realization that oh, it's not the angels that are wrong, it's 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 us and our reality. We don't fit correctly anymore yep. with how they are and so they always seem to be walking on planes that are perpendicular to the one we live on because we're not aligned with them yeah. anymore i think that's the first one i think that's out of the hideous planet uh, or out of the silent planet excuse me um when he ends up on mars and i think i think that's where it is but yeah that's i'd forgotten about that scene that's great mm-hmm. and it's a lot of it's all of clark too where right uh sufficiently advanced technology appears like magic right yeah. and so especially that third book you're mixing these somewhat fantastical elements like Merlin with, you know, what's going on that's science fiction in its appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and obviously C.S. Lewis, I mean, is a, he's asking theological questions. He's asking, you know, questions about humanity from a theological bent. And so you can't escape that. Now he gives disclaimers, if I remember it on the beginning of all of his books saying, this isn't an allusion to whatever it clearly is an allusion to, which is always a little fun too, to like try to understand what he's, what he's trying to do there. But, um, I suppose he's doing that in, in Narnia as well. Um, well, Wade, do you have anything else? We're coming up. We're a little bit over an hour here, so we should probably wrap up. I will say, I, I actually, that's great. Okay, so Joel, did you <laughs> I could follow more than I thought I'd be able to follow, and guess I, 
am into some of these ideas more than I thought I would have been too as we kind of expand what we mean by sci-fi and fantasy. But I, I do think it is really interesting um, to think about, I mean, just how much philosophy you could do just based on these shows. I think, like you guys said, you could get missed on, you could get lost on the lasers or the the um, special effects. But at the end of the day, um, I, I think uh, now looking at stuff, you could say you learn a lot about people by what they gravitate towards. I mean, even the Superman, whatever else. I think uh, who is it? Craig Partner, someone else has talked about how that you know plays into the New Testament. You know, in a lot of ways, what we're looking for in a Messiah, but. That's sure. all I like. Probably a whole other episode talking yeah, about how superheroes are the modern my, mythology. Yeah. yeah. No, I mythology and doing it just oh. more generally in mythology. And obviously a lot of this comes from mythology. And you have, like you were saying, 100 years ago, you didn't really have a sci-fi genre, but you had this mythology. And so mm-hmm. walk that. who's the guy that does the mythology books the, from, I don't know, like the 80s or somewhere on there? Because the... Um, uh, I have to look it up and put he it. He writes them or he analyzes. Well, he he, them. Analyze, he, he, he writes about mythology. Um, that's a big, that's a big name. I should know this. I, Neil Gaiman comes to mind with American Gods, and then he recently wrote he rewrote the Norse mythologies. Yeah, and I'm thinking about he was he was a big influence on um, uh, the Star Wars, um, the Star Wars creator. The uh, I have mm. to look it up here. But anyway, go I was going to say on a side note, Aliva has been she grabbed a book off my shelf uh, and has been reading it. So hopefully, I'll have her afterwards show you what it is. And <laughs> okay. I told her she could borrow it if she wanted to, but it's going to have to be mom and dad approved. Oh, okay. Um, Joseph Campbell, The Power of Myth. Are you familiar with this? I haven't actually read a lot of it. I've just skimmed it a little bit. But yeah, um, he write he he talks about like the structure of myth. And from what I've read about Campbell, is he kind of forces things. It's got to be this way. But he. He really is trying to go through this structure, like what does myth do? And then you see Star Wars coming out of out of this kind of following that mm-hmm. structure. So it's really programmatic in a way. And uh, you see that connection then going back to again even the the Iliad, the Odyssey, and um, fantasy, sci-fi, all of these getting ro- roped together. Well, I think that can kind of kind of come into the thought that I can wrap up with here is that um, there's a I want, there's a quote from Nancy Piercy, who I believe is a scientist. And she actually it was actually in a book on science is a Christian vocation. And she said that the ideal existence isn't a life of leisure or a monastic retreat, but is a life of creative effort expended for the glory of God. And that could be science fiction, world building, right? Doing, doing these creative efforts, almost mimicking, right? Our creator, uh, imitating our creator and seeing the factors and the forces that build up this world or it can be what my colleagues and I do, right? Looking at God's creation and, and seeing, trying to figure out how it, how it works and how it's sustained and then using that uh, for the benefit of our fellow men. Yeah, very good. Anything, Wade? You'd... No, I just want to point out that we have uh, a chemist on the show and I did not make one single meth joke. That's right. For the whole episode. A, showing it was some, very hard for me to do, but I, I restrained myself. Real self-constraint. There Three you. sanctification points. That's at least, at yeah. least. I mean, for you, it might be more. I'm trying not to give them out. Are so, sanctification so points relative to your level of sanctification? And they, they should be. Well, as they add up. 
Well, but I mean, like for Are, you, oh, after is it like a handicap in bowling? Right. Yeah. Do they have a set value, or does it fluctuate? Like, is there is there like a sanctification Wall Street that you need to watch <laughs> to make sure that? See, these are all good questions. Uh, you hadn't thought about these. No, I think it needs to be more like bowling, where like a three hundred is a perfect game, so that there is something you're trying to attain, right? Um, but I do think maybe there should be like a handicap type thing of someone, you know, because well, people feel... do the same work. Some, you know, right. one guy you go, he did that, so maybe he should get five instead of three points. Because I feel like for me, not making a meth joke or, or another, you know, inappropriate would be one drug point, joke. But I think be, it should yeah. be three points for but me. But I mean, if you're not making inappropriate drug jokes, then right. I mean, you should get more for that. Says the guy who. Uh... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, Mike is not here. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, Mike, uh, Mike abandoned us. He said he doesn't like sci-fi. He's not going to come. No, he had other. He had family. Family. Uh, things he he going has on. been potentially upset lately. He left our. He left our chat Telegram here, yeah. chat the other day. Um, it's weird, you know, because normally uh, I feel like I see him all around campus, usually smiling, and uh, I. Uh, I don't know what could be bothering him. Yeah, no, he always seems happy when you see him on yeah. campus. So. Well, any rate, um, we didn't we didn't mention at the beginning of the episode, and that's my fault because I did the intro and Wade was making eyes at me and not uh, letting me concentrate. But it was uh, we're a um, podcast of the fifteen seventeen podcast network, and so if you're interested in what we're, what they're doing over there, go to fifteen seventeen dot org slash podcast. You can find all the podcasts. They also have a plenty of other stuff. And this episode, I think, is going to come out just after the beginning of the new year, so they're. Uh, end of year giving campaign will be over but i'm sure they'll still accept your your uh, donation if you're looking to um to donate and help them keep uh producing content like they're doing do they take sanctification points they don't no uh wade's been trying to to do that um he thinks that he can then get more points for giving but uh, giving and sanctification points doesn't count so um i'll remind people too peter i've been getting better at this because you always say i should be better at it is uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe. That's the big one. Rate, review. We've gotten some more ratings on iTunes. That yep. was good. Like and share. That's always really helpful to help get the word out, expand the conversation. And then also we just had, now it'll be a while in the past now because it was today, uh, December 16th when it happened, but we just dropped the first three Winging It sessions on our new Winging It series which is on the life of Luther, and Mike and I are six in on that. We just dropped three, and I have to say I am really enjoying this series. Uh, I think we've had good conversations. Trying to keep it so that it's really accessible to people, but also we're going at a a very kind of deliberative uh, pace. We're not racing. And so it may be a pretty long series, but I think very worthwhile for people who want to learn about Luther or about his time or his theology. And if you're looking for just that series, you can find it on our the, all the links on our website at letthebirdfly.com slash life of Luther, life of Luther. And that'll give you all the, the links up to wherever we're at. And this will come out. We're still, we'll, we'll definitely be in the middle of that series still. So, um, yeah, check that out. Um, if you're interested in our, being on our Telegram channel, letthebirdfly.com slash Telegram. That's all I'm going to plug for now. So anything else, Wade? No, I think I think that's it. It it sounds like uh, we've covered most everything. I guess the only thing I would have to ask our guest is whether it's sci-fi or real life. Uh, any suggestions you have for what people can do? Let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. 
I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. One more round won't get me down. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk.